everyone, this is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. That's a mouthful. And our special guest for today is Mr. Tycoon. Yes, yes. 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 I'm glad to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Glad to be here. And um, and thank you. And uh, right now, thank your audience for, uh, for tuning in and listening. And hopefully I can say something that um, will be beneficial to them. All right. Well, let's let's jump right in, Mr. Tycoon. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, reaching way back when and how did you get started in real estate investing in the first place? Okay. Well, it started over 20 years ago. And just a little backstory. I'm originally from Boston, grew up in Cleveland. And I was a, a tennis protege of a guy by the name of Arthur Ashe. I didn't actually train from, through him, but I trained through his program. And that's how I got to Atlanta, where I am now. They said, hey, he need to be somewhere where it's warmer so he can play more year-round. And we moved here to Atlanta, went on to become an All-American here with the Morehouse College, left plate, tennis for Adidas, so I broke my wrist playing basketball, which was my first love. Mm -hmm. However, taught tennis for many years. When I met my wife at 33, I was a, a pro tennis instructor. And my wife told me teaching tennis to women in short skirts wasn't a real job. <laughs> so what is it you always want to do? And she said, plus, I don't know what you're teaching the ladies because they don't look like they're too good. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so um, I said I want to do real estate. And the reason I always want to do real estate, because of reading books like Think and Grow Rich and other self-help books and understand that most millionaires were created with real estate. So she said, why don't you become an electrician? Now, other than hitting a tennis ball or athletic mechanically, that wasn't my thing. But I went on to a, a place called IBEW, which is an electrical contracting school. She said, well, we can work on the houses. And I tried that. I went from making $75 an hour to about $8 an hour. And I'm like, something ain't right about this. And I went to a local RIA group and heard about Ron LeGrand. Ron LeGrand's the guy who taught me. And heard about wholesaling. And I got his book, read his book from cover to cover, put some magnetic signs on my car. And a lady ran out in the street, almost ran her over, saying, hey, I need some help with my house. Called up one of the guys who I met at Atlanta RIA. And he walked me through, I mean, literally, like, Dave, she says she wants 25000 Ask her, is that the best she can do? Is that the <laughs> best you can do? It was that type of coaching. And yeah. got my very first deal done, made $5,000. And I asked my wife, could I quit? She said, I'll stay on my job. And the rest is history. I spent a lot of money with Ronald Grant after that, because I said, if I learned how to do this from a book, just imagine me going to the course. Yeah. My very first course was $5,000. So when people just say they don't want to pay for the education, that's something I want to talk about today also. But um, as I said, I started 20 years ago. This makes my 20-year anniversary in the business now. I primarily do a lot of wholesaling. I do have buying holds, and I do subject to and short sales. The whole gamut. I am a transaction engineer. But that's how I got started. And I chose real estate, particularly because I read all the books that most made using real estate. And as we know, most wealthy people hold a lot of their assets or a lot of their fortune in real estate still to this day. And um, it just, it's been a great ride. I went through the bubble just like everybody else, lost a lot, but learned a lot. But one of the saving graces is that I learned the business the right way. Uh, meaning understanding the technique and the method of it, unlike a lot of people just cashing out or buying houses and refinancing them and turn them into rentals, then it was upside down when those arms just adjusted. Yeah. So, yeah, it sounds interesting because Ron LeGrand's how I got into, into real estate investing as well up here in Canada. Didn't know but that. 
got his book, got got, <laughs> got his binders and his CDs. I don't have them right here, but got them pretty handy. <laughs> Did the same thing with the magnetic signs on the. There you go. Yeah. You oh yeah. That's there, the very first. Yep. Got all the and it had, and it had the ones with the cassettes because then he came out and he upgraded to the DVDs. <laughs> he was like, "Oh my God, DVDs!" <laughs> well, you got you got DVDs. I only got CDs for crying out loud, man. I yeah. just listen to Ron. Right, right. <laughs> but all all good stuff. Same thing. Magnetic signs on the side of my beautiful purple minivan. I mean, oh my God, it was. But hey, you know this stuff works. So that's that's cool. Let's talk a little bit about. Because I understand what a transaction engineer means, but some of our listeners might not quite understand what does that mean. So for you, what is being a transactional engineer? Really well, a transactional engineer, once we get a lead in, somebody who raises their hands or whether they call from a bandit sign or dollar for dollars or whatever marketing that you use, and once that lead comes in, and for those who understand wholesaling, you know, we use a 65% rule. Most time it's a junker. However, what happens when someone calls you and a house is worth 100 and they owe 100 on it and they're two months behind, that doesn't fit the 65% rule, and especially if they don't want to do a short sale, is taking that lead and figuring out how to make a transaction out of it, yeah. how to get from this place to that place as that engineer builds that bridge. How do we turn this into a deal? And that's what it means to be a transaction engineer where you have a motivated seller with a situation and who is... Um, open to you doing terms or taking over their payments, giving them several different options other than I hate to use this word one. What, what do they call it? Um, low ball. One, one point. One pony horse or a one, uh, pony yeah, yeah. one trick pony. Yeah, one trick pony. When yeah, you only yeah, know yeah. wholesaling, all the rest of that stuff is gone. Short sale, subject to creative financing, owner financing, all the different techniques that are available inside of real estate. That's what makes you a transaction engineer other than just knowing that one thing. You know, I got some pitchers who just could throw a fastball. They don't know what a curve is, what a slider. They got that one pitch. And that's what I look at a transaction engineer. And I tell people, start with one thing, but expand your knowledge once you get that one thing down solid. Because you can't do them all in the beginning. You can't learn it all in the beginning. And it's not about having certificates on the wall saying, I'm going to, I know subject to, I know short sale, I know the pretty house business, I know the ugly house business, but you haven't done a deal. You got the right, certificates, exactly. but you ain't got the checks. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no, it's beautiful. So, yeah, and then the other thing I love about that whole process is instead of just going in with one offer and take it or leave it, right. you go in with one, two, three, four different offers. Right. And instead of it being a take it or leave it, it's like, oh, which one do I choose, right? Yeah. So it, that is so powerful as well. So, Ty, let's talk a little bit about how times have changed over the 20 years since you first got the cassettes from Ron to what you're doing now. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of the, the things that we learned way back in the day are still working. You know, there's Bandit signs aren't going away. Direct, uh, direct mail. Yeah. So what's working, what's working best for you these days in your markets for creating these leads? Because you've been doing this for a long time. Well, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, which is a, a hot market due to the fact that people from Canada, California come here and our price points are relatively low in comparison to, you know, like I said, California, New York, 
individual come here and they spent 300,000, they got a mini mansion and they had a shack back home. Yeah, and so that's one thing with our market. But what's working as far as marketing, banner signs are still working. Yeah. Direct mail is still working. I'm using postcards instead of the yellow letter now okay. for economical reason because my theory and what I've seen is that if a person has a need and they see a a postcard, if they got a need, they're gonna look at it. Yeah. You know, our whole thing with the yellow letters was saying that somebody will open it up. But one of the things that are working because you're talking about different times of changing is using mojo and using calling people as far as what I like to call it dialing for dollars. Yeah. We're having much success with that because unlike this, we immediately know if they want to sell or not. Because when we send out this in a shotgun approach, even if you use absentee owners, doesn't mean every absentee owner wants to sell their property. No. So plus, when you call, plus, plus a lot of other people get those lists of absentee owners as well, owners as well. So you got more competition, I guess. Yeah. But again, they, my thing with that competition, how many people are going to stay with it? That's the thing that yeah. from a mindset, I tell my students, Yes, everybody goes to the local or the new guru who's in town. They go to the event. They all happy and they mail out a hundred postcards and they don't get nobody called back. They're like, I get this. I use another word if it's my show. <laughs> That's all right. We I'll do it like that. <laughs> and they give that up. That says it all right there. That, I love it. That yeah. says it all. And they give up. And so I really don't get into the competition because most people don't have the staying power or the mental strength to understand that this is a process that requires time. Yeah, yeah. And just like a seed has to grow, people want to come into this business because they see the numbers and hear the numbers, but they don't understand. It may be you, you mail out a postcard. Somebody may call you back six months later. They don't call you back that first week that they get it. They hold on to it sometime and or they got, they're going through probate. But to answer your question, dialing for dollars is working right now. As I said, our bandit signs are still working. And my favorite, which is a little taxing, is driving for dollars. Because once you see a house and you know how to skip trace now, which is new technology, more information is out there on the web for individual. When you see a distressed house, the blue tarp, high grass, or just vacant and is barely standing up, you know, if you find that homeowner, nine times out of 10, they're ready to sell because code enforcement, or they paying taxes on it and it's just sitting there. You can tell it's been sitting there for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, how's that house still sitting there? Has nobody, nobody's taking the time to really dig deep to find that homeowner or the relative of that homeowner. So as you're saying, because of technology, we didn't have the skip tracing we have today, even stuff as simple as been verified, which is $10 a month. You know, you really had to hire a private investigator or it was $75 a search to try to find information on people. And it's so much more cheaper today than it was then. It, it just amazes me with the um, information that's out there and what the new investors have at their disposal. Because we didn't, we barely had these when we started. Yeah. We had the chirp phone. Yeah. We, we, had to flip, we had to flip yeah. the home back in the day, man. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't no digital signatures. Everything had to be written with a blue pen. You had to sign everything. Now we have DocuSign and... It's amazing. It's a lot easier. But it's, you know what? It's a lot easier. But we were talking about this a little bit off camera. The average person's attention span has shrunk so much. Right. That if you just got a little bit of stick with itness, you're light years ahead of most of your competition that just right. don't have the bandwidth for that. Mr. Tycoon, before we go, uh, yeah, time flies when we're having fun here, my friend. 
one of your big claims to fame is uh, that you're really very, very good at negotiations. And you call it tough, but fair negotiation. So can you tell us a little bit about what is that and kind of what does that look like in your world? Well, number one is understanding that we're dealing with a person who is selling something. Sometimes they may have, as they like to say, sentimental value. And I'll tell a seller, well, Mr. Dave, I understand you have sentimental value. It was your father's house. It's your house. And, you know, you got sentimental value. But that doesn't really show up in comps. You know, I can't pay you for the sentimental value. I got to pay you based on the numbers of what houses are selling for in your area. And so I call it being a straight shooter, but also having the information to back up what I'm saying. You know, if you got a junker, you have a junker. And I'm not trying to, I'm not here to tear down your house, Mr. Dave. However, it's 2020 now and your house was built in 1954 and you upgraded in 1980. The market of what people want now is not that black and white, mirrors on the wall, paneling, wallpaper. It's a different thing that we have to do to, to put it back on the market. And so um, explaining that to individuals and just being straightforward with them and letting them know, you know, I want it to be a win-win, but you have to understand certain things as far as like sentimental value and, and what you think is for the market today and show them, you know, we got computers now or iPad. I can show them this is a house that's fixed up now. Look at this house and look at your house. Almost like the before and after almost yeah before and after or the irish spring commercial look at your man look at mine you know look at <laughs> you know look at this house and look at your house is there a comparison you see why this house is 300 and why i'm only able to pay you 50 because i got to put 100 into it and even as a wholesaler we got to understand what our fix and flip guy if we're going to flip it pass it to him assign it to him or do a double closing what are they going to be in to get this house to a market price where it's going to make sense for them and sometimes you got you to know when to, when to walk away and, and just be honest with people. And when I say tough, some people, I've had students sit there and they're like, man, you just go straight to it. And to the point, I'm like, there's no emotion for me. This, well, this you, is very you, you, you learned that honestly. I mean, old Ron was tough. If, if yeah. Tough, man, I tell you. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I think I connected with him because he made it plain and clear and, and made it very important to understand. You got to understand it's marketing first. You can learn all these techniques, but if you don't have any marketing and no leads coming in, you don't know if you got a deal or a dud. So that's so important is understanding the marketing value of this business because nothing gets started without a lead. And I kind of came up with the deal is inside the lead. When you look at the word L-E-A-D, lead, D-E-A-L is inside. the. So it's, it's once you, as Ron say, we go through it and look at what's the asking price and what's the comps. And that's one, I know you had one of the questions, one of the challenges that people have is not coming up with the right number. So they end up writing up a contract for too much and wonder why it won't move or why they don't make any money when they go to do a fix and flip because they pay too much for it. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's getting some of that emotion out of there and really sticking to your numbers. But again, that's one of the advantages that we were talking about, right? If, if you understand a variety of different strategies or exit strategies for that property, it opens up a lot more offers that you can that you can make. Right. Mr. Tycoon, we are having fun and time has flown. If people want to find out more about you, if I want to find out more about how to, you know, be hard but fair with the negotiation, they want to find out more about 
how do you attract leads and, and create leads? And I mean, my goodness, you've been in, you've been in this business a lot longer than a lot of people. So you, you know it inside out. What would you like people to do? How can they find out more about two things. One, I'd like to just give them a gift, first of all, sure. and that's MrTycoon.com is my main website, and that's M-R-T-Y-C-O-O-N.com. That's the main site, but if you put a slash and put masterclass, I have the seven deadly sins of wholesaling real estate, which I talk about some of the mistakes that people make, and I'm just going to give you one right now so that it can hear, is lack of education. I think one of the challenges now because of the internet or podcast and not like yours where you're giving concrete information is so many people out here two weeks out of a seminar or one deal done and not a guru and so so much information is out there between youtube ig facebook is letting people know you got to get educated properly and you know sometimes when i run into individuals who are successful at this we came out of the school of ron legrand you know but what we invested in our education and we learned from somebody who gave us a method that was duplicatable it had nothing to do with your skill set in the beginning, whether you were had great communication skills or you were already a professional speaker or in sales. It's because he gave us a method that we could follow. And it, and it was um, concrete. It was a concrete method if you stuck to it. Yeah. And um, another thing, March 21st and 22nd, I'm having, as I celebrate my 20 years in the business, I'm doing what's called the Tycoon Real Estate Super Conference. So they can go to www.tycoon.com superconference.com. It's absolutely free. I'm doing scholarships. It's a two-day event, March 21st and 22nd, two full days of me sharing all the different facets from buying and holding, fix and flip, creative financing, and my favorite, wholesaling. And one of the reasons I love wholesaling is because that's what gets you the cash. And if you want to get into fix and flip, you know, it can be very expensive using hard money and so if you can make your, get your cash up with wholesaling, then you can go and do it a little easier and then learn about private lending and all, all those things also. And I am on IG at I am Mr. Tycoon, Facebook, Mr. Tycoon. So um, that's how you can get in contact with me. And again, I want to leave with get educated. Get educated with somebody who's doing the business, not who has done the business. Because as, as David said, times have changed, technology has changed. But the foundational principles haven't changed. Uh, it's all about the numbers. Beautiful. Well said. Mr. Tycoon, thank you very much for being on the show. And everybody, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. All right. Thank you again. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review very very much appreciated and if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals then i invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations and you can check that out at investorattractiondemo.com take care